Slash Dupe episode 5. Hello and welcome to Slash Dupe, the movie pitching podcast with a twist, where we all get the same title, some time to prepare, and then everybody pitches their idea at the table and we help mould and workshop it together. One of us, however, hasn't had the title in advance and that is our dupe today, Ryan. Ryan, how are you feeling? I'm really good, yeah. Ryan Scott, your favourite dupe whose pitches aren't poop. Is that your... Yeah. Do you try to make that hashtag idea? I'm going to put it into a t-shirt at some point. <laughs> yeah, I think you should. Wow. Um, those t-shirts are available on, uh, at no good retailers. Um, and our other two guests um, with us today are Dan. Dan, how are you doing? I'm really well, thanks. And I do not have a pithy intro. <laughs> That's probably for the best. Um, and Sam, we have Sam with us. Um, Sam, you're one of our first lockdown guests. How do you feel about that? I'm thrilled. I'm nervous, but also thrilled. Uh, I, I mean, it's great to have something to do. Um, that's always a plus. <laughs> yeah. uh, something to work towards. Um, yeah. But I think I feel like this, the whole idea of this, of doing a podcast, lends itself really well to like, the lockdown situation. Um, yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. So that's been, it's been fun. And I have to admit, having listened to a few of the previous ones, I was like, oh my God, I don't know whether I'm going to do enough prep. Let's Maybe I'll just see if I can improve my way through this. I've probably done more prep than I've done for like a lot of my schoolwork for this. Wow. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. so uh, yeah. I'm, I'm feeling pretty good. I mean, I'm impressed. you know, who knows? Who knows what'll happen? Well, you know, you and me, Sam. You and me yeah. both. <laughs> yeah. We all know Dan puts a lot of prep work in, don't you, Dan? All the time. Every time. Um, and I'm Sean, your peerless moderator, um, who will be picking a winner at the end of the episode. And what happens to the winner? Well, you're going to have to stick around to the halfway point to find out. Was that a little, what was that a little quick about yourself? What, the peerless moderator? Peerless moderator. I guess maybe we do have a couple of quips going on in this. <laughs> I'm going to have to come up with one now, aren't I? You have to, you have to. Suitably unprepared or something yeah. like that, I don't know. <laughs> So without further ado, our title for today is A Stitch in Time. That's mm -hmm. A Stitch in Time. Um, and I believe, Sam, you've probably got the most notes, so that probably puts you in a position to be the first well, to give us your answer. let's see. It's one of these things where I've got a lot written in front of me, and then maybe I'm going to just set, sum it up in a sentence and then we'll <laughs> yeah. just stare at each other for the rest of the time. But, um, okay, so I will start. So, A Stitch in Time, or... Its original title, Jikan no Sutechi, is the latest uh, animated feature from Studio Ghibli. Um, and uh, I mean, I sort of, to make up for my lack of film knowledge, right, I have essentially made up for that in my mm -hmm. ability to, to write a plot. So I have like a loose skeletal plot line here. That I'm just going to mm -hmm. throw at you and um, see how long your attention manages to survive uh, for that. But um, that's, that's perfect because we do the reverse normally. Yeah. We have a nice deep knowledge of film, but absolutely <laughs> no idea of what happens within okay, the plot. Okay, and so I, is, I yeah. round the group out by having neither, so it's perfect. great. <laughs> and the this is our first animated pitch. I, I believe it is. So it's, it's, not not pressure for you there. it's not our first animated pitch. No. Oh, no. I'm going to throw oh, back oh. to the horror when we had the anime. Uh, death train oh god yeah but that was my idea and it was terrible mm. so it's our first good animation. <laughs> well that remains to be seen i have to add but i realized that i've also thrown myself a bit of or, or shot myself in the foot in some 
respect because I realized that if, you know, if ever this would, I mean, this is going to be a hard one for a trailer to be made of, let's, let's face it. Um, <laughs> yeah. But I would be impressed yeah. if it could. But anyway, um, so um, it begins uh, in the introductory shots. We have a narrator and it's introducing us to the town of Little Stitchings, which is a fictional town in a sort of uh, um, industrial revolution um, England in the north of England mm-hmm. um, and uh, we're focusing in on uh, the the happy birth of Fenella Cloth who is the daughter of a, a lowly tailor um, and there's a sort of oh it's a musical by the way this is this is studio. <laughs> that was a, that was a necessary ad- addition at this point. Our first musical. Uh, is it the first yeah. musical? Perfect. Yeah, it perfect. Is. Um, so um, we have this big like opening number. I'm thinking like uh, kind of um, corpse bride type uh, sweeping Danny Elfman okay. style score, um, in which we see Fenella, Fenella Cloth, growing up uh, in this little town. Um, and develop a special bond with her grandma, Edith, who is always knitting. But mm-hmm. Fenella never knows what she's knitting. It's always a little bit of a secret, but she copies her grandma and she tries to pick up the skills. Her, the father, Martin Cloth, begins to struggle. After, and we see this all in a kind of um, montage type thing, um, after the building of Bumble Bunch Factory is taking all of his work. Oh no. No. It's just it's too traumatic, guys. Uh, mm. uh after so we have that opening number and we join Fenella as her and her family gather around the bed. Uh and it's Grandma Edith's deathbed. Oh. Grandma Edith turns to young Fenella and she says that she's destined for great things. And with that she passes away. Um no better start to a happy animated film than <laughs> having death, I feel. Um and that night she wakes, we see her sort of waking and, and we see a rattling in the wardrobe and an avatar of Edith, entirely made out of Fenella's clothes, bursts out mm-hmm. um, and tells Fenella the secret of what, what she really was. She was a weaver. She had the duty of weaving the fabric of time. Yes. Mm-hmm. But, mm-hmm. hence this title, she was unable to complete her fabric because Bumblebunch Factory monopolized all the imports of thread. No. So the, the quest is that she sets Vanilla is to complete her fabric before it's too late. Initially, Vanilla doubts herself. This is too big for her. A self-reflecting song here, preferably. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, <laughs> the factory gave her nightmares as a child. But with some encur- encouragement from her nervous friend, Bobbin, she agrees to do it. Uh, then we have a sort of Mission Impossible style break-in where her and Bobbin kind of break into the factory and, uh, and try and get some thread back. Um, but as this is happening, Fenella realizes that the world about her, her break-in actually becomes really easy because the world about her is slowing down. Everybody around her is just suddenly becoming really slow. And she realizes right. when she gets home, the fabric of time is becoming unwoven around her until when she gets back home she realizes that everybody's frozen um so now she has to learn to knit um Mm -hmm. and 
and learn to do it uh, in order to get time sort of back up and running again. Um, there's essentially what I've got then is a series of plot points after that. Um, the only thing I haven't got is, is an ending. That's the only thing I've yet to mm-hmm. settle on. Um, but there is a twist as well. Um, so she, she practices her knitting. Um, but as she's practicing, she notices a gold light outside the window and she follows it to this small clearing by a lake where it forms into a gold effigy, kind of gold uh, of people from the past. Um, and this happens every night. So she's in the day, she's working her stitching, and every night she watches images of the past played out with, by these gold effigies. And it's here that she discovers a grave family secret that Mr. Bumblebunch is, in fact, her father's brother. Oh, no. Twist. Twist alert um and the reason why that is is because because edith chose fenella and we again we see this played out in the in the gold sort of effigies since since edith chose fenella to be the weaver instead of um mm. the uncle's son um yes. harold cloth aka mr bumblebunch turned his back on the family even changing his name and then Harold opened up his factory. But when he did, his son, Barty, contracts a terrible illness and dies. And Harold blames Edith for weaving this into her fabric on purpose. Yeah, sure. When in Out fact, there are some things beyond the weaver's control. So Edith sure. wove Harold's free will into her tapestry, allowing him to build his factory and his son's illness was a result of the inhalation of fumes from the factory. So it wasn't Edith's fault at all. But there's one final twist to this, and there's one final flashback that she sees through these gold effigies. And it is Fenella, as a child, playing with a younger sibling. Um, And she sees the flashback of Mr. Bumblebunch kidnapping the younger child... Um, and stealing him away, which is why Fenella can't remember. She was too young to remember. And so we now mm. have a situation where it's there are much. two weavers. There are two potential weavers who run in the family mm. line. Mm. And the ending is, is Fenella going to confront this other weaver? Um, essentially, my thinking is um, that the reason why the fabric of time is sort of coming unraveled is because you have two weavers. One, Mr. Bumblebunch's kidnapped brother, and the other being Fenella. They're both, They're both correct. Exactly right. Mm. Um, so that is <laughs> as short as I can make a summary of the plot. Short, it's beautiful. Yes. But that, it, well, it's glorious. Yeah. That's fantastic. And you're dealing with free will as well. Like um, quite a serious thing. It's capitalism. Like, yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. I mean, I have to businesses. admit, this did start as a whimsical yeah. children's film and uh, it, and it and took me escalated. down quite a path. You should. I mean, you heard how Ryan's Bob disposal started, yeah, like, a, and then it but, ended up, you know, quite um, tear what, what I quite like about it is, you know, at the beginning you mentioned sort of like the new film from Studio Ghibli. Um, 
you know, those films don't shy away from sort of loss and mm -hmm. from, you know, um, family passing and then sort of ideologies of capitalism, as we said. And sort of so, I mean, if you imagine that this, yeah, exactly. So if you imagine that this film took place, let's say it was made a few years ago, you could still have Takahata, you know, the director of such sort of like uh, polarizing films as Grave of the Fireflies, yeah. you know, yeah, yeah. right down at the end of the emotional scale, moving all the way up to Tale of Princess Kaguya or something, or Only Yesterday, which is like a very sort of like down-to-earth drama so you have that whole scale don't you of if, if unless you're thinking of it being a miyazaki a goro miyazaki or a well i or a again here's where my complete lack of film knowledge and film directors comes in in that you know i'm i'm the sort of dunce that watches a film and goes wow that was great and obsessive you know i'm not very good at directors names but you know i think if i think in my head i was like oh i want it to look like Howl's moving castle so whoever directed that <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Probably that, but again, okay, yeah, I, I will yeah. leave. I will leave the the, can, the directing side to to your expertise. I think I'd be happy. With can that. I throw um, a little, not spanner, a little add to the works? Is that I also had uh, animated film idea as part of mine, which is great because I had like two paths for it to take, and one of them was animated. But I thought that I would do the animation in the style of Coraline, you know, sort of the, the with stop motion bits. And I wondered whether this would really fit with stop motion cloth right. and so this yarn is, and buttons. This is so weird that you should say this because I literally had this exact conversation with with Maddie, my girlfriend, before mm. before this. And originally it was going to be it was originally it was going to be Tim Burton. It was going to be a mm. stop motion like Coraline or something like that, which is so weird that you should say that. And I and I went with Studio Ghibli just because, uh, in a way, I think, because I think what Tim Burton does very well is is has the darkness, the the, the, mm. the creepy darkness, sort of almost skeletal characters. Mm. Whereas uh, upon reflection, I think that there was a, a a warmth to this a little bit more. Yeah, like yeah. with the gold mm -hmm. effigies and stuff like that. But you're so right in that 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 was the other direction well, it, that it was going to go. It still have the, of, yeah. same, the same sort of love and warmth. I just like the, I like the texture. I like the um, sort of the feel of being able to, especially since all the names of the characters are so obviously material. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, like yeah, with, absolutely. Yeah. It's the Coraline Maybe. bit at the beginning, isn't it? Where mm -hmm. he's weaving the, the Coraline puppet. Yeah, that's mm -hmm. that's true. I, I if this film, if I was making this film, I would be happy for it to be either. Or something honest. like what a Kirby the... game. Do you know what I mean? Like those Kirby's Kirby yeah, ones yeah. where everything's made of wool or whatever, a bit like that. Or what's the other computer game where you're a bit of yarn? Yoshi, Yoshi, sort of Woolly World or yeah. Unravel and Unravel. stuff. Oh, there like was that. Yeah. what's the one? Absolutely. Oh, what's the one? Me and Maddie were playing um, with with the big big puppet people. I can't remember what it is. Oh, I, I come oh God. Puppeteer's pretty good as well. Puppeteer's pretty good. Mm. Tear Away has that sort of, you know, and Dreams has that sort of tactile yeah, yeah. feel to it, doesn't it? Oh, um, Little Big Planet you're on about. Little Big Planet. Little I mean, that's exactly what I'm on about. What a classic. Yeah, yeah, that's brilliant. Classic. 
Um, um, so I think a way of maybe figuring out how we want the art style to go down or, or the tone is maybe thinking of the audience age. So is this like a family film where adults can, you know, like more of the Pixar sort of era and Ghibli where you can go, oh my God, that's for, for, for all ages. Or is it more of a kid's film or is it more of an adult sort of film like a Coraline is definitely more of an adult's film. Yeah, um, I think I th my initial thought was a family film, I think. I think this is kind of in the... As the sort of film that everybody could take something away from it, you know. Um, yeah. And maybe if the maybe if the film has a flaw, um, if we're going to go down that in the critical reception, mm. maybe one of the, the <laughs> feedback would be that it didn't know what it was doing. Is it dark? Is it is it um, interesting? You, you know, one yeah, of those yeah. films where you know the the adults all come away really liking it, but they're like, oh well, I'm not sure whether I take my kids to see that or. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So maybe that would be a pitfall of the film. Um, but I so don't I know. Can, I, sorry, I was going to add to that because mm. we watched Big Hero Six the other day on on uh, Disney Plus. Sorry, uh, that's a quick plug. Hopefully, I'll get a free <laughs> year subscription for that. But um, we were watching. We had to stop it because my little one, who's only just coming up to four, found it too scary. And that mm. was, I found that really interesting because it's sort of rated the same as, mm. I think Frozen's even, like six plus is, is rated at. And there's mm. so many other Disney films that we watch that are six plus. But it was because it dealt with real things, I think. I don't want to spoil the plot for anyone that hasn't watched Big Hero 6, but because it's an, a, an authority figure a real, and real people, he couldn't mm. handle it and we had to stop it. It was like a dynamic shift, wasn't it? <clears throat> yeah. And a sort of the duality of good and evil was something that he probably at four sort of hasn't ever come across, I suppose, maybe you would, you would imagine right. something like well, that. I always yeah. admire the, the one film that I thought of when I was doing this initially, especially with like the, the opening scenes of like Grandma Edith's death and stuff, was Coco. Mm. Um, Absolutely, and I was getting Coco vibes for sure. It, it, yeah, That film, I mean, I am not ashamed to say that I, I wept at that film. And mm. I feel like there's something masterful about doing a film that strikes that balance so well in that being sure. a kid's film, but also um, sort of encouraging children to think about like quite mature themes, not mature, but like, like yeah. death and stuff like that. Do you know what I mean? And when you yeah. do that well, yeah. it's amazing. Like I almost... Every Disney movie has one of the parents dying or dead. True. Moana opens with the grandma's death. Do you know what I mean? Like, mm. and and there's so many Bambi. I remember yeah. my dad saying yeah. he had to take my auntie out of the cinema because she was sobbing right. so heavily. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, oh um, no, yeah. I can't watch that again. It's such a present thing, isn't it? And every it's such a pre present thing in everybody's lives, mm -hmm. isn't it? So, and it, and it's sort of such a thing that we're all so. In, in unique and different ways, we're also still afraid of it, regardless of how, uh, or, we, or we have an unusual relationship with it, regardless of how present it is in everyone's lives and the objective sort of thing that everyone is going to have to face. Yeah, yeah. So I think it's sort of fascinating how it works its way into sort of kids' films quite a lot. I, and, and I, I can't film. watch The Land Before Time. Um, and I've told, and, and Maddie has never seen it before. And she mm. has, she's asked me on so many occasions, can we please watch this film? And I'm and I've just flatly said no. I have to be in the position. <laughs> I have to be in a position to emotionally deal with that. And I don't think I ever will be. Um, yeah. So she's just going to have to deal with the fact that she can't see that film. <laughs> yeah. um, can watch it on her own, just to say that you know she can be an individual 
that has. But then, do you want her to be in the same state as you are in, Sam? You know, scarred for life. Maybe that's if she's gonna. Maybe, maybe, maybe. But if she's gonna watch (laughs) it, I need to know so I can not be in the build. If I know it, (laughs) Sam. In the building. Yeah, I need to leave, and I don't know. Listen, listen to, you know. Put loud thrash metal music yeah. or something. Yeah, yeah, some scar music. Scar music. Happy. <laughs> or watch the last half of a stitch in time. Yes, So, who are the voice actors for this? Oh, mm. Do you know what? I'm mm. so glad you asked because this is another thing I definitely prepared for. I'm going to handily um, turn over my page here, which is great for the people listening at home because they can't see what I'm doing. They might hear the rustling, <laughs> maybe. Um, okay, so there are a couple of ones that I was like one actor and that's it and a couple where i had like a few i had up to three options mm. um <clears throat> so for Nella, i was thinking Maisie williams um yes, yeah good sort of spunky am i is that a dated term i'm not entirely I sure it, yeah i don't know <laughs> i don't know i don't think it relates to what we imagine it relates to no <laughs> but, but you I know mean, what i, I mean. think it's okay to say something. yeah to describing yeah. people yeah <laughs> <laughs> let's go for um Energetic. Energetic, yeah. Sprightly. Sprightly, passionate, um, ballsy, a bit like Coraline. Like no, ballsy, we are, ballsy, okay, ballsy is more contentious, I think, than spunky, I'm really sure. finding it tough to steer away from these <laughs> analogies. Um, so, yeah, something like that. It's been um, a long lockdown. It has been. <laughs> no excuse. Um, so, yeah, so, so Maisie mm. Williams, I think she would be great. Um, there's the mm. narrator as well, and I don't know what you guys thought, but I mean, mm. I was thinking that perhaps the narrator should be someone from the story, because that's always nice, isn't it? To realise that you're being yeah. told the story from the perspective of, of a character you've been should seeing. Should it be the grandma? Sure. Well, I was thinking it would be an older Fenella uh, telling the story Ooh, again. Nice. And I was thinking... So you might think it's the grandma, for example, because they have similar voices, perhaps. Sometimes it skips a generation. People sound similar, don't yeah. they, to answer yeah, that, I such. think that could be a good thing to, to have. I'd like that. Um, I was thinking Judy Dench would be a good one. I actually yes. went for typically yeah. northern actor actors because um, I wanted to well, have a rural sense to it, like northern English. And you don't really get that very many, but mm. very much in like studio in animation. Or animation yeah. do you? I agree with you totally. Yeah. Olivia Coleman could be a good one if you want a sort of slightly more northern oh, yeah. Northernish accent. Mm. Do you know what? I I nearly I, well I wrote Julie Walters as the next one, a kind of really homely. Mm. Like I mean, you're being told the mm, story by the, the fire. The budget for this animation is extraordinary. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I've not limited myself to budget as usual. <laughs> yeah. That's why I write science fiction novels because all I need is a laptop and my imagination. <laughs> People try and persuade me. Oh, Sam, you should turn this into a musical. I'm like, no, because then I have to think about. I'm going to pay people and yeah yes you have to involve other people that's when it's terrible isn't it yes yeah absolutely um so grandma edith now this is one i took a while to think of and i landed on jane horrocks yeah great choice yeah yeah Um, yeah purely from chicken run and you know yeah but i am open to other suggestions for that great shouts great shouts Mm. um and then fenella's father well, initially I said Sean Bean, right? Northern actor, that kind of thing. Mm. But I feel oh, like mm. I feel like he might be too, almost like hardy, and like weathered. Yes, I mm. totally get you. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, whereas, yeah. whereas I, whereas I think this this could actually I did have a thought of John Hurt, God rest his soul, if he was still alive, mm-hmm. um, because of mm. that frailty and that kind of. I'm trying to think of an example of 
sort of he has potential menace doesn't he like in v for vendetta which i watched the other day he has yeah. like quite a potential for menace yeah 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 but also he has a softer side if necessary and you can see him commanding a, a you know a factory yeah yeah was, yeah uh... well no no so that the factory owner is the is his brother oh i see sorry okay yeah. I, I i may not have i may not have explained that very well so the 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 idea is that it was him and his brother and his his brother is Mr. Bumblebunch, who owns who owns the factory. Yes, and he okay, was um, spited by. Well, he feels like he was spited by the family because yeah. his son wasn't chosen to be the weaver. It was I see. it was right. Spinella. So that was that was probably my bad on a on a on a sense of that. So really, actually, about, you want um, you want somebody whimsical. Mm. Well, that's actually not a bad. Yeah, because it's a bit more colourful, actually, isn't it? Hmm. Who is that? Who is that? Oh yeah, good choice. Yeah. That is a good we choice. Gimli. Gimli, Jonathan Rhys Davies. Give me another one. Yeah, we've got Chuck Jonathan Rhys Davies. That's in quite there. a big voice, though, isn't it? If you're trying to get away from Hardy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that doubles down on that yeah. Hardy. Brian, Brian Blessed just bulldozed <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. your animated yeah. feature. Um, well, if you're going for like. He maybe, plays them all, doesn't he? Maybe Northern Baddies. What have you got for the baddie? Who have you got for the uncle? So I had quite a few of these. Uh, I had Patrick Stewart as the first one. Mm-hmm. Um. And I had really do have unlimited budget. Yeah, I really you? do. Oh, I'm not. I'm not. This is the. I just. I. I could never be a producer. I'm like, let's just get everyone in. Let's pay them whatever we want. Um, I said. I said Ben Kingsley as well. Yeah. Um, mm, someone with yeah. a kind of booming authority. And I, the thing I like about Patrick Stewart is that he is kind of northern, but. Um, yeah. Sure. But sure. RSC trained, so they. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. It'll be nice to hear it from his sort of rural accent. Yeah, I remember there's just, I, this is a tangent, but there's a moment, again, I don't want to be too spoilery, although it is an old show, but in the reimagining of Battlestar Galactica, there's quite a prim and proper character that has a moment where he slips back into his sort of uh, rural farmland roots and you sort of, and that's his change in character, you know? Mm. And I sort of, it's, it's definitely a tangent, but that really mm, struck that. me. Yeah, so yeah. I think it could be quite powerful can, to hear. Can so I if, throw yeah. Ian yeah, McShane in there? <clears throat> oh, yes. Yes, yeah. that would be brilliant. I, is he the I one from him. American Gods? Yes, yes he is. Yeah, yeah. yeah great, yeah. great shout. I He's think I saw fearsome. him as the devil in the Witches of Eastwick in the West End. Right. So wow. he'd totally fit for your musical idea as well. That's true. That's true. I hadn't. Do you know what? I hadn't even given. You've got to think about them. They've got, got to, to think about whether they can <laughs> sing. Although <laughs> I have to say, how, it's so. not really a prerequisite in Hollywood movie musicals, is it? Careful. <laughs> <laughs> Not naming so, any. Speaking of musicals, unless of course you have a few more actors to give us, um, I'd when you're done, I'd like to talk about the musical aspect of this. Absolutely. I only had one more, and to be fair, it, it, I didn't really feature this character very heavily. But the the mm. mother of Fenella, mm. who could probably serve as a driving force at some points, um, mm. Mm. Maria, and I I cast I well. If we're talking big budget, I'm saying Jodie Whittaker. Yeah. Um, little budget, I'm thinking Sophie Rundle. Well, actually, that's I feel like that's a bit of a stab at Sophie Rundle. She's is, great. Yeah. I don't know why I'm, <laughs> I'm not, you know, that shouldn't be a, I think she's brilliant. Um, but not as big a name maybe as Jodie Whittaker. But not particularly now, yeah. Do you know Sophie Rundle? She, I'm Googling her as we please speak. Please do, yeah. She's great. She. I, what did I see her in recently? She was in the drama... Are we allowed to. We allowed she was to in Peaky Blinders and yeah. the Bodyguard. Peaky, yes, yeah. yes, and there was a drama, a Scottish drama on. I, I want to say BBC, um, 
mm. about a surrogate mother. The Nest, it was called. Uh, right, yes. okay. um, Which was very good. Yeah, she could almost be like a surrogate as well if Maisie Williams says no. Because I feel like she's got the voice that could, could sort of, she could go youthful if she needed to. Couldn't she? Yeah, that's true. Um, yeah, yeah. And then you could throw yeah. Saran Jones in as the mother. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. She's the other one from Gentleman Jack. I say throw Saran Jones in. That there's no doing that. That is a disservice. <laughs> only with her consent, <laughs> yes. of course. <laughs> you have to, yes, consent. you have, and you have to pay her as well. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, the musical aspect I'm interested in. So, um, what's the musical style? You know, is it going to be sort of poppy numbers like a, I don't know, like a Moana style thing, or or some other musicals that have you know like the Greatest Showman that have quite poppy numbers, or is it going to be very sort of austere and classical even frozen has quite broad classical numbers in it i, I know li- less about musicals than you guys do i'm just trying to <laughs> sound intelligent I, so correct me if no I'm no wrong. no i think that's um a good distinction to make i think um i imagine the first person that i imagine writing the music would be tim minchin purely yeah. because yeah. first of all tim minchin writing a studio ghibli thing would be so out of this world it'd be awesome that's a dream and i team, feel like yeah. i want there to be a diet it's set in quite a sleepy i suppose in a way town so i want there to be a dynamic element to it um and and a quirkiness as well a, a bit like we would if we were to have the um um the tim burton idea of it a bit like a kind of quirky um very character driven stuff not sure. hot I don't think. His, his yeah. Matilda and Groundhog Day are brilliant. Mm-hmm. So they're, they're, if that sort of style of stuff. Yeah, and right. it's and it's quite good as well. Like like you say with Matilda, with like, I can really imagine him writing good children's songs. Kids stuff, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Not not necessarily children's songs that children like, as in songs that can be sung well by quote unquote children. Ah, interesting. Do you see what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And it's playful and it's and it's fun and probably could be a bit creepy as well. I d- but I don't know mm. whether creepy would be a, a bum steer. Maybe only once or twice, or you know, once and a half. You need a creepy number in there, don't yeah. you? Yeah, yeah. Just to scare away the really young children. And one of the things I liked about Tim Minchin's stuff in Matilda is that he made the adults seem ridiculous. So yeah. Matilda was the sensible one, as the story is anyway, mm. and, and the sort of the caricature of that. But he really got kids. Mm. Like, he, he he didn't really talk down to children in his music either. And that the, the grown-ups were all a little bit gross, with the exception of Miss Lane. <laughs> and, and I thought, yeah. and that's kind of, because that's kind of a little bit like your, with the exception of the grandma, maybe. I, I All the parents and the uncle mm. are a little bit, out of the world aren't they it's, it's yeah all about the kids. especially mr bumblebunch it was a blessing mm-hmm. by the way when i discovered that word because it's a it's a um <laughs> yeah. i didn't know but it's a knitting term or at least a sewing term oh wow okay and it's where yeah. the thread gets caught up in a big bunch essentially and and ruins uh knitting so i was like that's amazing um, and it sounds whimsical and quirky and great. Yeah, but exactly right. Um, like with, you want that element of, uh, like a bit Roald Dahl, isn't it? Like he, yeah, he Roald sure, Dahl was sure. very good at, um, and another thing to add as well, a bit like Studio Ghibli, he wasn't afraid to tell quite dark yeah. themes and to kill yeah. people yeah. off. 
you know, kill sure. off the bad guys sure. and throw them into... To, to really give you lessons, right? Yeah. Lessons to learn lessons. from it. And yeah, yeah. yeah. So Quentin Blake has to do the poster then. I'm seeing the poster oh, with yes. Quentin Blake yeah. and some of the artwork. You know, maybe he does the Criterion re-release or whatever yeah. cover, you know? Because um, be we've cool. got to have some Quentin Blake stuff in yeah, there. Yeah, 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 yeah. God. Yeah, so what is the poster? Ghibli. What's the marketing? What's the marketing look like? I mean, what's the tagline? It's so good that you said that because now I get my chance to improvise because I had no idea. <laughs> I had absolutely no idea. Um, I'm thinking <clears throat> maybe you have a, a kind of, um, do you know those kind of posters where, and again, I'm really showing my lack of media knowledge here. I have an A-level in media. I don't know why I'm, I don't know what I'm doing. Um, <laughs> we all have an A-level <laughs> Everybody's media. got an A-level media. <laughs> but you know, when you have those posters, particularly in, the Star Wars films and in like Stranger Things where you have each character kind of faded on top in a kind of tower mm. Of, mm. of each character's face um, mm. and, and maybe a central figure like the factory and people kind of maybe that would be a good idea but actually I've just made that up on the spot don't know whether it's appropriate maybe you guys have a better idea you have uh, you'd, you'd run some kind of like social media marketing where you give out the actual stitching plans. I don't think they're called plans. Um, yeah, like blueprint, blueprint pattern. Yeah. That's the word oh, yeah. So you put out the patterns, and then people can basically be stitching create stuff, their own. create their own, yeah. and you know you'd, you'd have that as a marketing leading up to it. So it'd be like you get to go to the premiere if you make this coolest thing out of this pattern. Yeah, and there's a great amount of sort of uh, puns to do with threads and yarns and. You know, a yarn like you've never heard before. Yes, thread. <laughs> that is great. The, the, the thread between family is easily cut or something like that. You know, like the, sort of... The ties that bind us. I was yeah, trying to think of, of a, a kind of tagline like that. Um, mm. Something about... Because I like... I mean, it's so weird. I can't remember what I was listening to the other day that you have certain phrases that lend themselves very well to certain things. And fabric mm. is always used with time. There's always yeah. that link, isn't yeah. there? Which is, I yeah. guess, maybe comes from Einstein and, and how he described like space time and all that. I reckon it's probably from sure. before then. With Do you weaving. think? Yeah. <clears throat> but they're like, sort of, you, everyone has their own thread, don't they? As you're your own thread, mm. and we all we are all woven into a tapestry that uh, that makes our lives and, and the world and stuff. Yeah. Mm. God, mm. that's good. But having something like that in a tagline would be great. Like. Um, like weave your own tapestry or, or something mm -hmm. or um, mm. <clears throat> playing with it. I quite like playing with the idea of, of um, God, I'm so great at forgetting words just when I need them um, <laughs> the, of, of uh, determinism. Um, mm -hmm. I don't know if that's been done in a kid's in a, in a family film before, probably not, but I think that would be kind of, kind of cool. So, Dan, would you like to give us your idea for a stitch in time? I would love to, Sean. I'd love to. <laughs> um, so I, I had the uh, very similar sort of idea of an animation for uh, in the Coraline's way, but I, I decided I've, I had a two-way option with this. Um, and what I've got is um, the story plot is some kids are forced to go and stay with an auntie they don't know very well for the summer holidays 
while their parents work out the uh, final stages of their divorce and um, during the selling of the house in the turbulent time, they're forced to mm. go and say with an auntie they've never really met. And um, they're obviously not very happy about it. They go and stay with this auntie and somehow they find out that she's really into embroidery. She makes those little circle embroideries, mm. has them all over the house. And she has the power to travel through time to any thing that she's stitched, any, any picture that she has stitched. So if she stitches like um, the, the uh, Colosseum back in Rome, if you were mm. to look at it and think about it, or maybe put the final stitch in, you're teleported into that place and you can experience that and then come back out as long as you can un unpick the stitch or something. I haven't quite worked out the, uh, mm. this is my second time travel that I don't know how to work out. Um, <laughs> they go to stay through, they go and stay with this auntie and it's, it's a bit like Nanny McPhee um, in Mary Poppins thing. This is not quite sure about her to begin with, but the more they get there, the more they realize she's actually super cool. And I think, I think somewhere along the line, they, because they're, I think it's a teenage girl and a slightly younger boy. And the mm. teenage girl eventually convinces the auntie to stitch um, a, an embroidery of their mum and dad at their wedding. Mm. And they, or, or at the, or at, at the point when things started going, yeah, yeah, and remind them of what, and, and like leak in so that they don't get divorced. Um, so maybe there's a particular moment that they remember something went wrong. Maybe someone went away for a job or something or so they stop them from going for that job, mm. which saves it and everyone's happy. But it means that they never meet the auntie because they've rewritten oh, the entire yeah. timeline. Oh, God, and then, yeah. which, the which is fine because clock. we're not going through linear timelines, but mm. it means that they never meet the auntie. And actually, because that happens, the auntie is now, she now dies, she doesn't exist anymore. And so they never get the opportunity of having mm. that auntie, but they do you get the happy family. possibly have the moment, you know, towards the end where together they learn how to embroil, like you have this fake out, like the Iron Giant movie, where you think, oh, it's all over, my <clears> God. <throat> I mean, I cried like a baby at the Iron Giant movie. Yeah. Mm. Um, and you go, oh my God, it's over. But then you have just that moment that says, actually, the two of them together are stitching in the same style the aunt yeah. and them hanging out together in the possibility that maybe maybe that might happen or that's happened. their memory of her at the end yeah and there's no that magic no... to it it's just yeah yeah and no one else really has a memory of this woman anymore because mm. of the timeline that they've now that's weird. that's like the um the the grandfather clock um conundrum not grandfather clock sorry the grandfather conundrum mm. like where if you go back in time and killed your grandfather would you exist would you have exactly yeah would your grandfather die but i i like that because well in in your instance that is it, it forks off into a separate timeline yeah. in which well, the, there isn't that the woman. weave of time has been unpicked and repicked yeah I like so that. actually it's okay that that's happened did you imagine it being like because i don't know why but the second you went oh, going away to stay with the grandparents i thought wartime like second world, like a kind of um, five children in it kind of thing. Ra railway children is that the other one? Yeah, like that. Or, or yeah. has anyone seen Five Children in it? No, no. The, oh, it's well. There's, there was a new film, an Eddie Izzard adaptation. Uh, who, Eddie Izzard played the Sand Fairy, I think it was called. But uh, yeah, it was wartime, and they went away. And I like maybe that not. because wartime has 
has quite a it feels like stitching would be around then mm. and maybe yeah. maybe the auntie is old enough to have experienced the war but it feels mm. like divorce and that kind of stuff that we have to is a far more modern occurrence like divorce yeah. during the war wasn't necessary i'm happily to be uh, mm. recorrected on that but it didn't feel like it was as it would have been a really big deal back then mm. whereas now it's like a, a thing that happens oh yeah yeah that makes sense yeah and, and yeah, the ability absolutely. to want to change that and have some agency over, over it as a child or a kid or a teenager feels a little bit more modern but i mm. like the idea of maybe there is some does that make it english rather than american because this feels chintzy enough to be american do you know what I mean? it feels really mrs doubtfire kind of Oh, that's interesting because I was feeling like it was quite Enid Blyton or quite sort of, oh, okay. um, yeah, yeah, so did I. I was sort of yeah. having I'm that happy. sort I'm of happy to go sort of back there, sort of Famous Five world mm. type mm. place. That's what I thought. But to be fair, actually, when you said divorce, then in, in, in a way I see what you mean in that that's slightly more re- relevant in the case. But then I suppose if you can choose also when this film was made, you could say that it was made at the time of like railway children and stuff like that but then mm. or you could have i'm also um, happy for it to be back back then and because then mm. the parents splitting up is a really 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 big deal and i guess it makes it mm. less cheesy than the americanized version that i initially imagined that might, the, the, the version i originally thought is somewhere between like uh mrs doubtfire mm. home alone those kind of american oh, right yeah. you see what i mean like where it is there's a happy there's quite obviously a happy ending whereas you know the we could have it they stitch in time they realize they go back to that moment to go and try and save their marriage and they go and see the moment when their marriage start falling mm. apart and think actually maybe it's for the best that they're not like that maybe maybe, maybe they do need that time maybe it's post-war so like you've had all of this happen and maybe the aunt uh, did some stitching or embroidery during the war and there's that sort mm-hmm. of they, she can talk to them about the war because they'd be just too young maybe just to comprehend what had happened so uh, you don't see a lot of films or a lot of media especially with children in it that deal with post-war and we ha- I haven't yeah. really seen a lot of films that deal with direct post-war Europe either I, you know definitely mm-hmm. during definitely sort of the lead-up but and perhaps it's just me I haven't seen a lot of really good post-war films so maybe it, you could have the children trying to understand divorce and also trying to understand the world state at the same time. And yeah. maybe there's some sort of, you know. And that would be, that might deal with post-traumatic stress disorder from coming back mm. from the war. Maybe that's why they're not happy anymore, the parents. And maybe yeah. that leads them to trying, I don't know, maybe they're trying to go back and save their dad from being mm. traumatised, which which is, that's horrific, really, trying to go back to that. But yeah. dealing with all those things or finding ways of going back into the timeline of their parents to make him happier so mm. that he doesn't have those outbursts maybe or doesn't mm. suffer those things well the, or... the one thing you would be dealing with if it was post-war was that the father would have almost certainly gone mm. away so he would yeah, probably that's... be and that is sorry exactly what you say like yeah, he yeah. could be dealing with with post-traumatic stress mm. and, and also yeah. dealing with the place of his wife in a new light you know in, the, mm. in post-war the sort of the role of women had changed the role of men had changed mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a, true. Like a lot of the soldiers had nothing else after they went away as young men, and they came yeah. back not knowing what to do. They had no skills. Yeah, that yeah. Were relevant anymore. Mm. So yeah, I mean, this has taken a much sort of darker turn than I'd originally. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. I like it. But it can it's still be cheesy, I guess. 
It can well, still be I, cheesy in the... Would you make I it don't, quite... uh, no, I don't want it to be cheesy now. I think I, <laughs> right. I like where it's gone. Would yeah. you make it quite mystical, like um, mm. like the book of... So the, no, uh, the Tree of Life, you know, how that was sort of had those connecting um, sort of worlds and, you know, so you make it like as she's stitching, like she stitches a tank, so she embroiders like a tank and then you take it into that time. We sort of have it where it's quite... Um, the sort of bright colours, maybe even like we, when we're sort of looking at the embroidered pieces, it's sort of a mix between that sort of stitching and embroidery and real and anima- like and movement. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. God, we're going Tree of Life, we're going Terence Malick with this, so making it like it's just <laughs> suddenly great. jumped up to but something else it, entirely. It's got that kind of, I don't not to go down the fantasy side of Narnia, but it, it says with time travel, but it's not that, <laughs> but it, it's that way of dealing with post-war with something that is slightly fantastical yes, so that the kids exactly. are able to, that's yeah. their way of dealing with it. Mm. Do you know what I mean? And can you imagine a desperate moment where someone is sort of maybe on their deathbed or they realize that something's happening and they have to capture this moment and they're stitching furiously, but really what they realize is that this is a moment you can't capture, you know, this sort of desperate, I need this moment, I need to save this, or I need to come mm. back here or something, but it's not possible. And that sort of feeling is quite universal of maybe a moment passing and you can see it pass and know that you're powerless to, to stop it. You know, there's maybe something in there uh, yeah. for it as a scene. So you've decided it's not going to be animated now? Is that, is that what we're No, this is or? not animated. This is now people's, yeah. And I, I just want to, I think divorce is an interesting thing to tackle as well, like definitely through the eyes of something else, because I, I, I just want to throw in that about a month ago with my fiance, I thought, um, okay, we've got a bunch of movies on the sky. Let's, let's chuck something on. And I thought, I'm definitely in the mood for, you know, you, you, you tick a lot of stuff off because it's too dark and you go, right, I'm in the mood for something fun. And mm. I thought, I don't know anything about Kramer versus Kramer, except that I think it's a comedy, right? <laughs> so that's all I had the, wow. the knowledge of. And probably the, tra- the, the title, probably sort of, because it sounds a little yeah. bit like a comedy. So I thought it would be some sort of slapstick, hokey, jokey, sort of like in a Home Alone, but with divorce in it, you know? Love it. Yeah. And it was so, it was like two and a half hours. more of, wrong. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's so depressing. Uh, this, <laughs> I'm was, a total, I haven't seen or, or even heard of this before, so... Um... Dustin but Hoffman and Meryl Streep. And Dustin it's... Hoffman and Meryl Streep being mighty. Although uh, I recently read some things that like the scene shooting wasn't always that comfortable for the, the actors on, on the stage. Yeah, know. I mean, it's, it's, it's tough subject matter. And also, I mean, I don't know really what happened between them, but I can imagine they're both quite hot-headed actors, weren't they? And sort of at the top of their game as well. Mm-hmm. Sam, just to catch up, it's about their divorce. That's why it's Kramer versus Kramer. And then Yeah, like, and it's about how the child, yeah, the lawyers, it's how the child's caught in between. And, and also, this is what I didn't expect to see in it, is it deals a lot with um, mental health and a lot with sort of... Mm-hmm. Uh, and a lot with how the courts see men and women in relationships, um, and I don't think it's that dated either, really, bizarrely. But maybe I'm maybe I'm wrong, I, you know. But yeah, I did so wonder it's... with Kramer versus Kramer that it might be someone like suing himself. I, I was like, how? <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm sure the two people. Are gonna... is... Yeah, that's when we do surnames. a series of slash dupe and we take real films and. <laughs> <laughs> and, and... <laughs> That'd be mine. Multiple personality <laughs> disorder. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's a great that's... idea, Dan. Go on. Uh, thanks. Um, I, now that I've now that it's not an animation, I'm and it's not an American uh, chintzy movie. I'm not entirely sure who's going to play what, but it looks like we're going to need some really strong child actors. <clears throat> I'm happy mm. for it to be set now, but we filmed now, but set back. Yeah. Then. 
I I recently watched um, the uh, Upright on um, Sky mm. with T with Tim Minchin actually Tim Minchin TV show mm -hmm. and the the girl in that um, I hated her because she played an annoying child but because she played it so well I hated her you know <laughs> and so I think she's like she's a I think she's sort of twenty one or twenty five or something like that but they um, she would be a fantastic cast as sort of this as maybe one of the older children. Mm. Um, so there are, in my mind, there's only two because it has to isolate them. So rather than it being a gang, because that gives them a group dynamic, which allows them to get through that, it feels like it's a, a, a an older, a teenage girl and a younger boy. Mm. Are, we going, are we going English, do we think? Are we going American? I, it feels English now. <laughs> We've warped it, have we? Oh, Sam likes the American thing. What would you chuck out for American? Uh, well, actors, I was only just realizing that I think I probably know more American child actors than I do English, English which is weird. But then I suppose, actually, I've always been stunned at like quite a lot of... One thing I think America do really well is I feel like casting child actors. I feel like they've got, mm. they've got a real, like... I guess it's a big country, but they they have a, there's so many like child actors that have cut like Leo DiCaprio started as a child and all that mm, all that stuff. Mm. Or there's the obvious one. If I mean it's being shot now, so it wouldn't be a good idea. But the the, the girl from Juno, um, Ellen Page. What's her name for the one from mm. Ellen Page? Yeah, mm. could be. Mm. But again, if we're shooting now, she would. Yeah, she's obviously well, I guess the now. thing is maybe this is the time to find a new child actor. Yeah. Maybe, Maybe it's, it's an unknown. Yeah. Frears does worldwide sweep for you know new child actor. I can see it in the Daily Mail now. Yeah, new child, <laughs> new, new child, child star. star yeah. But maybe I don't know if yeah, it's a it's a good question actually. Which then leaves the the mum and the dad. Mm. I don't mind it being American or English. This is this is how I roll. But um, and we'll come with something. Wonderful at the I end can't it. stop loving Emily Mortimer. She's just, she's good for everything. And I just absolutely in love with her. She's fantastic. You could, if you wanted to go really whimsical, you could, you could cast like Stephen Fry as the dad. If you wanted to go really old English, maybe it could be English and American. Maybe the dad's I mean, English the thing and... is, he's got to have just come back from the war and keep be quite oh, yeah, young. Yeah, yeah you're Do right. I mean, because I would have said Hugh Grant or something, but that's like because it'd be interesting as an older actor. He's yeah. quite an interesting actor, but yeah, too yeah. old. Who's the guy? Uh, ben and... Whishaw. Oh, yeah. yeah, Ben Whishaw's good. Ben he, Whishaw. I mean, almost he, too good. He did play, but he played the Mary Poppins, wasn't he? He was like the sort of. He was the dad. He was it, yeah, Mary Poppins. We want to differentiate from Poppins as much as possible, don't we? What? Who's the guy okay. from um, American Horror Story? Oh, yeah, he's a good choice. He's a fantastic choice. I can't remember his name. He played Quicksilver in the um, X-Men movies. Oh, yeah. Uh, not the other oh, guy who I know who, and he who would... I'm not a fan of at all. Um, but <laughs> no, the... he was great. But, yeah, the guy from Peter something. Oh, I something. know who you Peter, mean. I want in... to say it's Peter. In, in American Horror Story, he was the, um, he was the ghost, yes. wasn't he? He was Spoiler. one of the ghosts. Yeah. Evan the Peters. Season. Evan Peters. Yeah. Oh, was that Evan Peters? I don't know. It doesn't matter. Oh, well. <laughs> there are enough seasons now. of it. Oh, yeah, said. I was actually thinking of Dylan yeah. McDermott, actually. Oh, no, he's too old. But he's too old, yeah. But Evan <laughs> Peters. But, I mean, if he was coming back fresh from the war, you know, that sort of, he's got that GI. The thing is, I reckon Peters has, he has the ability to sort of, he's American, so but I'm sure he could do a good English accent. 
Um, but yeah, he has the ability to look uh, harrowed and grizzled from the war whilst also being young. Yeah. You know, so yeah, I'm not absolutely. saying he's harrowed yeah, yeah. and grizzled. He's what about actor. what about um, if you wanted to get a, a bloody good actor doing it and, and have have that war torn performance? Um, you could get, um, and I'm going to use this term, and I've never used this term before, but I'm going to use it because I can't remember his name, Sexy Priest <laughs> from Fleabag. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Andrew, Andrew, Andrew something. Scott. Andrew yeah, Scott. Right. Yeah. He, could, he could play, intense, you know, this kind of be, yeah. very intense, clearly working mm. through some, some, some yeah. problems. Or actually, as I said, Andrew Scott, I also thought Andrew Lincoln. Yeah, um, also a good choice. Yeah, yeah. He does uh, appear. I think he's quite, he's quite youthful still, but maybe he's on the airing on the older side of. But maybe that's just because I watched him in Teachers. That's true. So long ago. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it. And of that's course, it. then the the most important part is probably the auntie. Mm. Mm. Can I just say, and, look, you know, let's. I mean, unless you've got an idea, Dan, I don't want to cut across you, but I want something that does not feel Poppins at all. You know, I want to feel like you've just. Do you know I, what I mean? I hundred percent agree. I hundred percent. So I'm not sure who that would be. It's not meant. It's meant to be anti Poppins. Yeah. This really, which would be the alternate title, by the way. You know, <laughs> and anti anti. There's a sort of there's a pun in there somewhere. Uh, That's the tagline. There's some sort of tagline that involves that. You know, anti yeah. Poppins. Love it. But with an arrow underneath it, and then all of the letters sort of drawn in that make it spell anti. You know, you sort of have it like on the tagline Perfect. written like in crayon. Perfect. Perfect. So what kind of, I mean, if, if you weren't going for whimsical, mag, magical auntie, um, what kind of, what kind of person do you think she'd be? Keely Hawes. Um, mm. She's good. I don't know. She's good. Who's that? Can someone remind Basically me? every British <laughs> TV character. Yeah. Oh, she was in The Bodyguard. She was the one that he was guarding in The Bodyguard. Oh, Yes. Oh, um, yeah, I, I can't. She's got that kind of austere, but I think she's got a softer side mm. type thing. Mm. So she, is, is she quite old or is she is she like... Sort no, of and I don't think these aunties would be quite old at that no, point. No, anyway. I guess yeah. not. Good point. Because when you think about a, ma- a magical auntie, you can't help but imagine like Nanny McPhee. Mm. I suppose mm. because you said Nanny McPhee at the beginning. But, yeah. Um, or Rachel Weiss. Oh, that's a good choice. Yeah, she yeah. has the gravitas, mm-hmm. you see. Um, yeah, I, I, I actually love Keely Horse. She's fantastic, but yeah, you want someone with that sort of gravitas, and she can do American and British, so she's cast no matter yeah, where. Yeah, it doesn't matter where we set it. It's fine. We're great. Um, I was thinking. I know this is a bizarre one, but I was thinking Gugu Mabatha Raw, if that's how you pronounce it. Um, she's everybody furiously Google her, but she's fantastic. And listen, I yeah. think you know you either make a note of it or you don't make a note of the race because I'm not sure it, it, it particularly even matters unless you're grounding it in a sort of, yeah. sort of serious historical context. But otherwise, you mm. make the uh, man or the woman a person of colour and you sort of... Uh, or she's a sort of an auntie that's sort of uh, not blood-related. I mean, I, I suppose that sort of just depends on how much realism you're putting into the movie. But, yeah, I, I think she's a good choice. I think she's youthful enough, but she's got the sort of gravitas. You know, you want some. I want something that sort of feels immediately sort of from the ground up different you know i want to feel like when you watch the movie about the the special auntie or the special nanny like you immediately almost immediately think of this but right yeah you you want you want something where the kids have known presumably like a, a quite a traumatic upbringing 
if it's the war and also coupled with their parents going through a divorce and then they almost want a slap in the face of a human to come in and go wow who who is this person do you know what i mean and that doesn't have to be in that sort of whimsical you know magical Mm -hmm. way it can be in that in, in like a this is the second time I've said the word, word ballsy, <laughs> but in that, you know, do you know what I mean? Like that ballsy, um, it's just yeah, turned spunky <laughs> as well. Um, do you, do you yeah, know what bullshit, I mean? Bullshit or like some sort of, yeah, yeah. Bullshit. And again, if it's, if it's set in that, that sort of era, that can be quite mm. fun because they would never have seen that kind of thing before. Yeah. And I'm imagining the music is kind of, um, I don't know, I don't know how to pronounce his name. It's Alexandre Desplat. I don't know how he's, he's from the, the Harry Potter the, well the imitation game mm-hmm. as well and Grand Budapest Hotel. Do you know oh, what I mean? Yeah. It's, kind of, it's um, amazing like, that his name is as whimsical really... as his style of <laughs> score. <laughs> <laughs> he's got the Wes Anderson name, doesn't he? Character name. <laughs> yeah. Des Des I I want to say Despolt or Desplat. Yeah, mm-hmm. I I am gonna we could ask Maddie because she'd know better than I would. Um yeah. but he's got that he th- it's exactly right for this because it's both in the real world and slightly out mm. of it when needs mm-hmm. be and he's got a he's got a really wide range of um style because I, we haven't really talked about it but they are going to jump into different time periods in time even if it's only for a little bit of you know a little bit mm. of the film but if we're going to go back to roman times we want you know to enjoy a gladiator fight or to a chariot yeah. race probably rather yeah. than a gladiator fight for the children mm. um you know then but then they, I guess if they watch a gladiator fight, it's got that war thing going yeah, on anyway. Parallels. Um, yeah. So if they're going to jump through time, then uh, we want to be able to have a, a composer that can kind of wind that in or thread that through. If you pardon me. <laughs> <laughs> Great idea. Very nice. That was very subtly done. I, I, I didn't even see the pun until you said pardon the pun. I was, I was yeah. How well? I just want to ask a final question. How well is it received, Dan, do you think? I think it is... Um, I don't think it does very well in the cinemas because, and I, despite it, it having a stellar cast and uh, actually being a very good film, I just think it just goes under the radar. Mm. Do you know what I mean? There's too many other things. A superhero um, movie comes out the same weekend and it just sort of sits underneath. But then it comes out on like Amazon Prime. Mm. And it's they they pay a lot of money for it to get up the the kids' ratings, and it happens to come out during an Easter mm-hmm. holiday or something, and it gets picked up by like Mum's Net, and everyone watches it, and suddenly from there it rolls, and it's got a lot of, you know, it's got a lot of style in it, and it's got it's actually a good film, and I think it becomes a, a second wave, which is not a, really a phrase I should be using right now, but a second wave <laughs> of um, of excitement for it. And I think it's well-received afterwards after an initial sort of failing at the cinema through no fault of his own. So at this point, before we hear the dupe's idea, uh, let's find out why I'll be picking a winner today. At the end of the season, we have a short list of winning ideas. And they'll all duke it out for the number one spot. And as voted by you, the general public, our loyal fans, uh, the overall winning idea we've made into a proper trailer for a movie or TV show, whatever it ends up being. A, a trailer. A trailer. Not a proper trailer. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad you clarified <laughs> that. Um, I've written here, um, 
So it's all to play for the embarrassment of your idea immortalized forever by us. <laughs> so it's so I think it's sort of if you I've said this before, but if you win, I think you actually really lose. Um, so, so don't really. So there's no sort of worries. If I mean, I think we're all winners here. These are all if, great if, I, if I win and my Studio Ghibli idea is it has to be made into a trailer. I think it's you guys that lose there. Because <laughs> how the hell are you going to source a studio? You just have game? to find an animator. You're going to have to, <laughs> yeah, or, or learn to be one real quick. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so uh, I think let's, that leads us into our dupe. So Ryan, what's your uh, idea that you've come up with whilst you've been at the table for a stitch in time? So I had, thank you, Sean. So I had a couple of ideas that I, I've written down. Um, I thinking you know the phrase itself is a stitch in time saves nine so maybe some kind of like um die hard three you know like got to run around and save nine people that sort of thing mm-hmm. uh and then also thought about the there's an english phrase of getting stitched up um maybe some kind of like kids like bully that sort of revenge thing mm. something like that um and then also i i also thought would be amazing would be the next film, next Disney film, the next Lilo and Stitch film, A Stitch in Time, where he has to go back, has to go back in time and sort of mm. make sure all of the things happen. And it's like a Lion King 1.5 or whatever it's called, yeah. where you sort of see events from the first film. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. So it's that yeah. sort of the way that that works. Um, but obviously we had an animated film, you know, we had a wartime film, we had one that jumped in and around space and time. And I thought, you know what, I want to have something a bit different from that. So I've done the classic slash dupe thing of adapt the title slightly mm-hmm. so it's still called a stitch in time but time is spelled t-h-y-m-e <laughs> like yes. like like rosemary and time <clears throat> the great detective series absolutely so what how what showing my... your age there by the way dan <laughs> i've done that many times in this podcast <laughs> so the way the way that i have this envisioned is um there was that british film startup where it used a lot of sort of slang Mm. as its marketing material um so a stitch is somebody who doesn't belong right there's someone that sort of is is mm-hmm. out of the fold mm-hmm. and the and the way that this would work yeah it it's sort be... of prison vernacular isn't it yeah, yeah. but this is not I like, prison vernacular. I like i like that you both know that oh it's just prison <laughs> vernacular. yeah so i was we expect to go yeah. to jail in our lifetime that's don't question it dan yeah <laughs> don't question it mate, yeah right um so the idea would be I would want a it would have like an, an a sort of a prologue um, of this film. The beginning of this film would be an American set at an American college and a very prim and proper English girl goes there mm-hmm. and she meets the guy. She meets the jock, the Van Wilder, that sort of person. But they, you know, they end up falling in love and everything like that. And when they finish, when they graduate, they go back to her hometown in England, the hometown of time. Mm. so he is like the sort of the person and it's very much like daddy daddy this is my mm. this is my new this is my love of my life and uh, we're, we're married now um there's an english tv there's an english series cuckoo which used taylor lautner and then later mm-hmm. on used andy sandberg or i think it was the other way around so it's that sort of mm. idea um and you just have so much like ridiculous japes that happen you know he is like the he, you know, meets everybody in the small town because everybody knows each other and all the dumb stuff that goes on. You know, you have that very interesting scene where they all sit down at the dinner table and he's like eating with his hands or doesn't know the proper etiquette. Because we and... all know Americans uh, 
are yeah. just foul beings. That, <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, I'm with no, that's like with no table manners. Just gone. <laughs> Absolutely. No, but what's what's fascinating about this idea, just quickly, is that um, you normally see it the other way around, right? You see like sort of a fish out of water going to an American place, you know, quite often, you know, mm. like an English person at an American college or you know something like that. So it's quite cool to see it the other way around, like a quite a famous American actor. Like a Zac Efron type, yeah. Say type, and then you know, coming to England, and you know, you've got you've got so many tra- so many jokes that you can have. Um, you know, you have obviously the it's the whole thing about the father and the and the son not getting on, on oh, this 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 guy not getting on because you know maybe he doesn't think he's good enough for my little girl and everything mm, like that. Mm. But then also, I think in all these little towns, and you have a lot of English. Um, shows that have it you know i'm not saying that they have a dark sort of under undertale but you go and ask your grandparents about stories about stuff we ask our grandparents how they used to like hold crazy parties where they used to buy moonshine in india from like during prohibition and stuff like that and you think like you've done it all and you speak to them and they've done 10 times more things than you've done so it's that sort of even though this is an english prim proper town matey boy who lives up the road mm. brews his own moonshine you know in the back and you know all this sort of stuff this person was a, like was an actress was that yeah. so he starts to bring out all of this i guess this oppression that's in the town so the stitch unravels yeah everything else great. there's sort of underneath that's going yeah, on yeah, and you yeah. have a sort of you know he begins to become part of the life you know I, I think a great scene would be they go out hunting and he's just like they go out hunting and maybe the father falls off falls off his horse or whatever he's about to get gored by a big old warthog and then you know matey boy kills him because he's an american he shoots guns he knows what he's doing like you know he sort of saves his life not that he owes him that but you know you you can be, you know begin to actually understand that like he is right for his daughter not because this is what he father wanted mm. but what is what the daughter also the simply sometimes having other around having something different around is what everybody needs sometimes yeah. you know and that's something that england could probably do with learning post brexit or at least some sort of acknowledging that other is possibly sort of the thing that actually makes you strong you know particularly if you're thinking of another tangent for me but you're thinking genetically they say that we're attracted to those with a sort of opposing set of uh, of uh Genes. of genes but in in terms of yeah making you stronger in terms of your immune system so someone who has an opposing immune system and and uh you're you know f- via pheromones you're supposed to be more attracted to them so we are genetically sort of predisposed to attach ourselves to other in a in a sort of very sort of primal way mm. it's really like i guess that i guess the moral of it is like um the the you know the the stranger is your friend type thing do you know what i mean mm. like the, the, mm. the i think i think there's a lot of fun to be had in the difference the colloquialisms so much american and english you've got to have the I whole like that's oh massive... she just walks around with no pants on yeah 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 <laughs> you know yeah. what i mean that yeah. that kind of and i, and I feel like she people... gets up in the morning i love it when she doesn't wear any pants and you're like yeah. why would you say that to my dad but i think i think she she sort of i don't want her to be an airhead about it i think that it would be the fact that she's, there's something that she sees in him that the father doesn't see because, you know, whenever we go and meet the parents, um, we we have we do put on a little bit of a persona, you know, because you're you're, you're very rarely going to be the hundred percent that you are at home. You don't, for example, you don't go and see someone's parents in your mm-hmm. pajama bottoms like you would be sitting at home with your partner. So you know you do have to put up a little bit of a facade. I <laughs> um, see, Dan, you're. Uh... I only I only like olives now. Because I had to impress a girlfriend's <laughs> mother once. Yeah. Wow. So, so I, I never liked olives. I went round and the starter 
was a and I kid you not a bowl of olives as like as big as my face. Dan's got a big face. The bowl was as big as your face, or the olives was. The bowl was as big as my face, but there were a lot of a lot of olives in there, and I was like, I cannot like this is the first time, and she was. She was a she's a lovely woman, mm. but she, I was quite scared of her mm. initially, and so I I forced way my way through twenty twenty five mm. olives, <laughs> and um, I reckon by about the thirteenth fourteenth one I was really into it, yeah. and I love olives <laughs> yeah. now. So actually, it was a good thing. With with respect to her though, I mean, who serves olives as a starter? I get it. <laughs> I get it as there. a side, like, you know, you or as a it, table food. Make it into a tapenade. I got that. <laughs> But, but anyway, just a big bowl of it's olives. like um, a deconstructed bowl of olives. She was testing you, Dan, and you passed. <laughs> I, I passed. I passed the test. <laughs> I don't understand. I would do acquired, acquired tastes, like to begin with. I feel like that's just yeah. such a weird, like phenomenon. What you you mm. don't like something, so you eat it till you do. Yeah. It's just such a weird <laughs> yeah. thing. Like, I mean, funnily well, enough, I did, though, that, I did that with porridge. Man. But that's I sort hated of... porridge, and then I just ate it every day because everyone told me it was healthy, and now I love it. But that's sort yeah, of what, so, this, yeah. what this film <laughs> is, right? The father is like yeah. that. Mm, he, he's the he... bowl of olives. No. no the olives. <laughs> who, who is the bowl oh. of olives? Then? He's eating the olives. He's eating so the, the American the olives. The thing is, the, the, bowl of olives is it, the bowl of olives is like the father, right? Like uh-huh. He doesn't like this guy because he's not what he's normally used to. He's not the prim and proper English man that she wanted her partner to do. Mm-hmm. But the woman, she loves olives, doesn't she? What's he a bowl of? He's a bowl of uh, eagle. Because America is. Or the father's dry crackers. crackers. The, yeah. the father's dry crackers, yeah. and he's the bowl of olives. Right. <laughs> there's, your, there's, your, there's your tagline right there. There's your tagline. And she's like <laughs> a pickled herring or something. I don't, <laughs> we've gone off on a tangent, and if this still makes it into the final edit, I'm really impressed. <laughs> <laughs> it's your fault if it does. Um, so many, so many, as you said, Sean, so many colloquialisms, the way that people talk, um, you know, and, and sort of the differences in American. Although the really annoying thing is, so in terms of actors, what I've written down, I've written down John Mulaney, but I don't think he's zany enough. I don't think he's... Because he's quite a subdued person. He'd be good as, like, the older brother or something. Yeah. Oh, no, of course, because you're thinking about the gentleman coming over from America. Yeah. He looks... He's too old. I he's... I, I also think he's he's not got the sort of right... Like, you know, he wouldn't be the gun-toting sort of, like, like Van Wilder type. Yeah. So that also led me... So I would have to maybe change it. So maybe she doesn't go to school in America. She goes to Canada. But Jay Baruchel would be... A sort of a little he's, bit he's awkward, a really but he can be sort of a yeah. bit wild when he's in the right sort of groups of people. Because you don't want like a sort of stereotypical jock. Although there are a lot of good American films coming out now that sort of issue the jock stereotypes. Mm. You've got Neighbours and other sorts of things like that, and uh, and oh. a few, mostly with Zac Efron in it. I'll be honest with yeah. you. Yeah, a good example of I think maybe the sort of vibe because I was so confused initially when I watched Sex Education on Netflix, mm. where you had this obviously British cast and a, and a good one, I thought. And I was like, why is it so American? Yeah. I was like, initially I was quite repulsed by that. <laughs> Not in a bad, but do you know what I mean? The melding of the two things. Mm. Like if I'm watching in a film that's set in an American, mm. you know, I want, if I want the 10 things I hate about you, I'll watch that. And then I'll sure. watch an English thing. And so I was like, why have they done that? But actually I see why, because you do get that really nice melding of two cultures so that either culture can watch it and get something out of it, mm. but also learn about, it's not like we're wildly different cultures, but you know what I mean? Like yeah, you no. can, Americans can watch it and go, oh, I love the British stuff about this. And the, people, the British can go, wow, I love the American kind of setting of it. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Also Gillian Anderson. 
Angelian so. Anderson. I remember you <laughs> selling that to me, DC, when you were when I before I watched it because you yeah. fancied her from what was it? Oh, X Files. X Files. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Jeez. <laughs> Still do, by the way. She's amazing. Yes, she's Hannibal. Great. She's she was absolutely amazing, Hannibal. No one can upstage Mads Mikkelsen except for Gillian Anderson. That's Gillian the only Anderson. way to do she's it. She's great. She's yeah. She was great in that as well. So yeah, I think that the sort of in terms of playing the father, um, I've got Chris Barry as playing the father from God. Wow, I'm literally Chris Barry all from of these Red Dwarf. Yeah, yeah from, from Red, Red Dwarf. Yeah, yeah. Good choice. Because he, he could sort of play. Yeah. He would play that sort of a little bit stuck up, but you know, yeah. have the sort of character acting of when he's, he's, he's still the likeable. Horse. Yeah, and he's, and he's still mm. likable. You know, he's not the sort of person who would be like, you know, you're not good enough for my daughter, like. He is, you know, and more of an English would... passive-aggressive sort of. You're not absolutely, yeah. and it would definitely, <laughs> it would definitely be the wife who, you know, they get getting to bed, and she's like, he's like, oh, I don't know what she's his name, and, and she says something like, "Would you remember you used to mm-hmm. wrangle the horses for me, or something, or whatever?" You know, like yeah. he sort of understands that maybe you got to give somebody a bit of a shot, but then the next morning he's walking around naked because that's how he does it in mm. his family, or whatever, and then that sort of instantly turns the screw back round on him that he's not happy with him. Well, I think also what's what what. Just to to jump in, I think what he can do, the younger gentleman, to sort of show the father that he cares. First of all, I think, you know, my fiancé's dad, I asked, I didn't ask his permission, because I think it's a bit old-fashioned, but I I just asked for his blessing, and I would have said, you know, I would have asked my um, then-girlfriend to marry me anyway if he had said no, but it would have been nice to get his blessing. And he said to me, well, I didn't care about getting, you know, Junko's wife, I didn't care about getting her... um, a parents blessing you know it was between the two of us and i loved her and she loved me and we are we're good for each other and i thought yeah. oh that's quite sort of i sort of like that so i think that the guy the jay baruchel character needs to be like not arrogant that's not with arrogance he said that and it's not you know it's it's, it's but it's it's noticing your role it's truth yeah, yeah mm. it's truth so i think this jay baruchel needs to say oh hold on a minute like not only do i love your daughter but these are the reasons why i love her that i because i think parents can be blinded to some of the traits in their in their children. Yeah. Do you know what? I've just I've just thought of something absolutely amazing. I think maybe one of the reasons he is visiting the family is because he wants to do that. He wants to try and maybe stick to that tradition of asking the father, right? And it's that it, maybe they get into a heated conversation and he's like, do you know the only reason I, I came to this stinking town is because I love your daughter so much and I wanted to, you know, respect the traditions we mm. have and I wanted to ask you if you're going to act like this, da, 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 that sort of mm. thing. That'd be like, an, and that's maybe, that's maybe the final scene that turns and the, the father, father goes, around. Oh, the fact that you cared about our traditions more than you cared about uh-huh. your own is, some, mm. is a way for me to see you know who you really also, are that's got to come because she's been let down like he's 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 angry at the that the parents not because they've been horrible to him but because they've done something to the daughter they've said something to the daughter that's upset her yeah and then that's when he launches into that i don't even know why i've come here you like you don't you don't treat mm. me i only came mm. here to say and then and they're like oh my god he stood up for her mm. and he was going to do the tradition this is great lovely, lovely, lovely. Mm. and that is and that will be yeah and, and that's sort of mostly what i have although i have got a sequel right so maybe at the end at the end it would be something like the you know he does ask her to marry uh it's all fantastic and then he's like he's like when do you want to do it and he's like well you know i've i already told my family and they're already here and like the comedy thing where a coach pulls up and no one gets out on it because then you have the sequel stitches in time Uh uh-huh 
what his entire family his to come entire over. family turns up and definitely please tell me meet his the... surname his surname is like chad stitch yeah yeah True. of course of course then we're it fine, right yeah. Let's, so it's, it's, it's really turned into stitches in time yeah. in stitches and time doesn't like it, it? Yeah. yeah nice which there which makes know. it sound like a corny like 80s cop drama more doesn't it yeah it does doesn't it <laughs> stitches in time yeah i feel like uh carrie lewis would play his dad in the sequel as well i don't know who carrie lewis is from uh, princess bride oh Car- yes he's perfect isn't he yeah, as, yeah, as, yeah. i have a suggestion i have a suggestion dad. i have a suggestion for the mum yeah claire skinner nice yeah good choice i'm thinking nice. Like Good you want to go, you want to go. When you're doing anything with like English and American, you want to have the English people being as bumbling and apologetic as possible. Mm-hmm. Because I think, I mean, I'm not an American, but maybe um, I think Americans seem to like that, or at least that's that's the image that they, <laughs> yeah, that, no, of they British people. I mean, like, you, you definitely which is a like... shame because I totally fit that stereotype. <laughs> yeah. I wish that I wish I could be very smooth about it, but I'm I'm really doing a <laughs> great then, job of avoiding. It. So drama. Tacone as director, uh huh. You know, and he's done a couple of things of the Lonely Island, of the Lonely fame. Island. But you yeah, know, he yeah. does does a lot more sort and of some of his films, Hot Rod and whatnot. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, so that that's where I'd have as director. I think sort of this nice, fun, tongue in cheek, the idea of a you know an American out of this place across the pond, but embraced and loved by all. <laughs> So it's at this time uh, that I go back through the three fantastic ideas that we've had and refresh you uh, on the ideas we've got, uh, Dan, Sam and Ryan's ideas for A Stitch in Time. Uh, And then I normally give my pitch that I've put absolutely no previous thought into. Um, But I'm going to tell you why I'm not going to do that, because this time we've had um, a a sort of Tim Burton or a Studio Ghibli type uh, animation uh, good animation, which is the first. Um, it deals with capitalism. It deals with uh, free will. It deals with death, and it, and it does so with uh, uh, also sort of dealing with time travel. And it's this fantastically sort of sad, but hopefully uplifting and hopeful yarn um, uh, by Sam. Uh, we've nice. had nice, by the way. <laughs> it made it sound better than I did in the uh... whole pitch. <laughs> uh... <laughs> um... And then uh, we we had uh, Dan's idea, a a sort of British Kramer versus Kramer, but you take the divorce away, you replace it possibly with with a a looming or a a post-war Britain. Uh, You give it this sort of vibe of maybe um, an Enid Blyton sort of classic timeless feel. Um, And you have, you know, just a dash of Mary Poppins in there. And you have the idea of these doilies or these small uh, elements of, uh, of stitching being able to transport these children via their uh, kooky aunt to uh, another place in another time. And this sort of idea that maybe they could bring their parents together with this, uh, with this power uh, and the ramifications for that in- involving time travel as well. Um, and then we had Ryan's dupe idea, this sort of uh, mean girls, 10 things I hate about you sort of uh, uh, toned uh, film that starts maybe a little bit like a sort of English girl in college, but then it shifts dramatically to actually take him as the fish out of water and take him into Britain and and have him meet this provincial sort of this this family in a provincial small town, uh, which eventually sort of blossoms into him being there is 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 the catalyst for 
us, you know, learning so much more about these people. Um, and then by extension, uh, he learns more about his uh, fiance to be and, sh and the family learn more about him and they, uh, the father learns to understands to maybe let go a little bit, you know, maybe it's, it's, it's somebody else's chance to learn every facet of another person, you know, which is a glorious, wonderful thing. Um, but hopefully funnier than I've just made it sound. Yeah, definitely. Um, <laughs> because I, <laughs> I always skew towards the more dramatic. With a few, but... with a few fart jokes in there. <laughs> <laughs> a few fart jokes in there. Um, <laughs> so I would normally discuss my idea here, and just as a formality in case we run under, basically, so we can chuck my idea in there, because I normally think it's terrible. Um, but this is why I'm going to do something different, and I'm going to announce the winner at the same time as well. Um, so I had an idea. It's interesting that you talked about Kirby and you talked about Yoshi and stuff, because I had an idea that, that initially Stitch in Time would have been a video game, like a sort of Nintendo DS game or, or something by level five. You know, they did sort of Dark Cloud, Chronicle, um, Nino Kuni, that sort of stuff. So they're a really, really great RPG developer. But I thought it would be a game initially that maybe it sold tremendously on a console like the Nintendo DS, like a handheld console. Um, and it's so fascinating you guys are talking about this because I thought, okay, well then, who's the obvious choice to take this and make it into an animated film? Well, it's obviously Studio Ghibli, right? So that was my first thought. And I didn't want to say this earlier on because I didn't want to take away from the idea, but I could not believe how similar it was. And I just want to say as well, Sam, that I had Judy Dench as one of the voice actors in it as well. <laughs> like, it's just yeah. unbelievable. That's so strange. Um, but, but of course <laughs> you do, because she's mighty. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. She is mighty and she should probably be in everything, let's Absolutely. be honest. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, so so I absolutely had a Studio Ghibli um, animated idea, um, and mine only deviated um, in that, um, that it was like a dark, crystally type world, this other world, and an evil lord or an evil queen had mm -hmm. taken um, the youngest line of a royal family, and they were the ninth in line for the throne. So the sort of the, dub the dual title was, you know, to save nine. Mm -hmm. um, and it would involve going back in time. And they, they were hand-woven, a fantasy land of hand-woven creatures. Um, Amazing. So I'm quite, I'm quite sort of amazed. And I would have had um, Sonoya Mizuno in it, who I love from... She was most recently in Devs doing an American accent. Oh, um, who did she play in Devs? She played the main character. Oh, yeah. She's the main character yeah, in Devs. Yeah, okay. But she was in Maniac. She was fantastic in Maniac, just like a complete oddball character. Mm. And she's got a, sort of a really beautiful, really unique voice. Mm. Um, she was also in, in um, Ex Machina, but she didn't speak in that. Um, so there's that film, isn't there, and... that's called Nine, which literally just came to me as you said that. Uh, do you know that yeah, film? Yeah, so I was desperately hoping it... Yeah, I haven't seen it, but I was desperately hoping the pitch would be different to that. But if it's exactly the same... No, no, I'll, I'll take I, no, it's pretty... I, it's, I think Nine has very heavy post-apocalyptic. I think it's not an right, alternate okay. world. It's a future world in which human souls are embedded in... So I think you're fine. They're like embedded okay, in, good. in good. I think puppets or some kind of thing. I think I just right, right. quite enjoying it, but no, you're, it's nothing like that. Yeah, it looks very dark, doesn't mm -hmm. it? Mm -hmm. um, so I even had like a sort of um, you know modern sort of bumbling and sort of northern working class. So I was really sort of edging like, I, but I love that your my idea. I think is is the things that we have in common. I love, but the idea is not as good as yours, not even remotely. Um, so and I was going to have Russell. It's amazing, though, that. that... <laughs> well, we'll so pop sick. Russell Tovey in it, won't we? Yeah. Oh. We'll have to pop Russell Tovey in yours. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. But so, so 
the reason why, and, and I, it's not that I like the gauntlet laid as a challenge, Sam, when you said there's no way that you can pick a winner that's animated um, and you hamstrung <laughs> yourself with it, because I had an idea as, as the ideas were forming that if we, if, if yours gets picked for the eventual winner, and I am going to tell you now that I'm picking it as the semi-finalist today. Um, of course. If it gets picked as an eventual winner, not only because it was you know, similar to mine. And, uh, <laughs> That's no, the I just, key. I couldn't See, believe the parallels. All mm. you need to do is spy on the podcast owner and then, you know, then, then the, yeah, the ideas will come. On the host. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, That's amazing. But I, I like the unique challenge of um, there are these things like pitch reels and other sorts of things that you can you can create a trailer by using animation and, and, and video and other things from other films. Wow. So if this ever becomes the final winner, and of course the... the, the uh, finalist is picked by the, the listeners, um, but we would be able to edit your film using different forms, different anim animated films, and oh, maybe perhaps yeah. video, some video game stuff and some other films, and we could make it feel like a you know um, uh, one one sort of coherent yeah. film. So I think a stitch in time. I'm going to go with Sam. I'm going to go with your idea for a stitch in time. Amazing. I I I, I love it and genuinely. Um, I love everybody's Wonderful. ideas, obviously, and they're all superb. Um, but your idea was so genuinely fully formed mm. um, and so uh, sort of some, something that you could see being made tomorrow. It's, it's, and genuinely something that sort of stirred something oh, in brilliant. me, I think. Oh, Do you know what I mean? Well, I thought, like, what a lovely... Thank you. I know, I mean, to be honest, this is... I, again, I had to take my lack of knowledge with, with films in general and go with where I where I do know things, which is about making plot lines. And again, my biggest worry about coming on here was that I was going to be talking for too long about, about it, but no, I'm really glad. And yeah, it's, it's been an absolute pleasure to, what a great idea for a, for a thing that people should do. Just pitching ideas to stuff. It's great. Oh, thanks, Sam. But really, it's uh, it was it wouldn't be anything without ideas like yours, man. Thank so, you. well, so you know what? Hey, do you know what? My initial comment about um, about not being able to do it because it was a, you know what? Maybe I was maybe I was dreaming too small. You know, maybe I should have maybe <laughs> I, maybe I should have upped the budget even more. Maybe <laughs> I need every. I'm going to have Tim Burton and Studio Ghibli. I'm going to pay them both. <laughs> Uh, to do a combination of both. All right, all right, easy now. <laughs> That's something we can't replicate. But no, I mean, let that also sort of be uh, a, a sort of a point of um, of note for anyone else that's listening to the podcast. Because don't don't think that there's any criteria for winning, or don't think that your idea is too big or too small. Just just give us the idea that speaks to you. And Sam, like I felt it, man. It spoke to you. Yeah. Spoke to me. And it deals with it. some heady topics, man. And like mm -hmm. the time travel aspect wasn't like it was for mine, just thrown in there. Like it really had some sort of relevance to woven the in. Woven. It was really in. woven oh, in. <laughs> oh my god! I'm just going to listen to anytime I'm feeling low. I'm just going to listen to this episode of the podcast. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> that will make one whole listener. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, everyone. Um, your ideas were fantastic. I had a re really genuinely great time, and it's really nice to connect with everyone during the lockdown and know that we can still be creative and we can still be social and we can still have a laugh and have fun as well, you know. Um, mm. 
And I just want to say uh, to the audience, uh, to anyone listening, like and subscribe, all the usual stuff. Sharing uh, and commenting and particularly reviewing it will help us the most. And if you enjoyed it as well, and even if you want to be on it, 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 it can't hurt to, to sort of promote it just so that um, we, we're not just making it for ourselves, which we would do and we would continue doing. But we want to make sure that enough of you guys out there can hear it and hopefully would want to join us as well and be on it. Make sure you follow us on Twitter and join the discussion on there. We've got a Facebook group as Facebook, well where you can post what your idea, what you think a stitching time would be. And also if you've got any titles that want, that you think would be good for us to do, throw them up there as well. You Chuck never them know. on the Reddit. We might yeah, even be able to uh, invite you along and have you a guest. Um, Sam, you've got a fantastic instagram musical instagram account haven't you what's your uh, handle i do for that? yeah it's uh, i've been doing lots more covers during the lockdown um and the handle is on the instagram sam ohan music uh and uh Great. yeah come follow the me the boy on plays there. a very mean guitar mm, yeah really him. good so everyone at home, check that, check that out. And also one last thing, in the description of each episode, I know that Sam has sort of said, I don't know if I know these actors, I don't know if you know these films. For you guys listening at home, in the description of every single episode we put up, there are IMDb lists of every film, every director, every musician that we reference. Ryan so personally hunts them down. I do. I just have to sit there <laughs> and I force them to be in this list. Every no, time I, I go, I don't really know who that is, but I think they're in this film. Ryan finds out who they I've are. I've got to figure out who they are. So I put them in and they're in chronological order so as you're listening to the episode they will appear in each list uh, in that order as well just find them in the description block so it just uh leads me now to thank ryan thank you sean thank you everyone thank you dan thank you and thank you very much sam thank you so much it's been an absolute pleasure you guys rock Yeah.